Queensland Premier League season. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Chelsea Spot Podcast. I hope you're all doing really, really well. Um, we are in for an absolute cracker of an episode. And last night, Chelsea did draw 4-4 to Man City, winning perhaps one of the best games we have seen in the last few months, last years. But we aren't going to be talking about that. If you know us well enough, we are going to be talking about academy football. Uh, and we have a very special guest on today. But before I introduce the guest, I will introduce my co-host, Orlando. How are you doing, mate? Yeah, very well, thank you. Very, very excited for today's episode. Um, been a long time coming, so yeah, can't wait. It certainly has been. Um, we've been working on this one, and we're very glad to have you on. So, thank you very much for coming on. Thanks for having me, guys. Privileged to be here. Wonderful stuff. Um, I'm just going to throw it over to Orlando just to kick things off, and then I guess we can just get things started. Yeah, so I think just to open up the podcast tool, um I'm going to hand over to you to just kind of talk a little about a little bit about yourself um, in case people don't know who you are. I think many people will. Um, but just tell us a little bit about yourself, the work you've done um, and all of that, please. Yeah, so um, I've been coaching for 20 years. Um, and I'm an individual sort of technical specialist, individual development specialist. Uh, I used to start off my coaching career in America, came back to England. I worked at Tottenham in the academy for a while, then got a job at Chelsea in the academy. Uh, spent about four and a half years at Chelsea. My first age group I coached at Chelsea was Jamal Musiala, Ben Elliott, Timo, Livermento, Levi Colwell. That age group is probably one of the best age groups I've ever had. That was, that was a lot of fun. Uh, and now, and also I've been an individual individual coach as well for 20 years. I mean, like I say, I'm a specialist. I work a lot with a lot of pros, like Noni Madueke is one of my clients I've had a lot of press with. Uh, Flo Balogun, who's in Monaco, Max Ahrens and Murray Hutchison I've worked with. So, yeah, I mean, for a lot, I left Chelsea in 2016 just to focus on my individual work. And also I have an app called My Personal Football Coach, which is like an individual training app. So I just focus, just focus on my own things, really. And now I act like a consultant. I am a consultant to clubs. I work with Arsenal, for example, and several other academies around the world to support them with their individual sort of development programmes. That's really, really good. And your your app, My Personal Football Coach, could you just tell us a bit more about that and sort of, I, I, I know you do work with, with clubs and, and the sort of work you do there. Yeah, I mean, it started off really as just a way to, you know, it was a big part of my coaching philosophy in any way, giving players homework. And it just wanted to create something, so whether you're a player in, you know, London or you're a player in Mozambique or Australia or Sydney, wherever, uh, you could access world-class technical training. So it's very much designed for individuals to pick up wherever they are. Um, so, you know, we have uh, obviously lots of stuff and courses for players or we have stuff for coaches to upskill them to learn a bit more about individual development, particularly ball mastery and 1v1, which in my, my philosophy is built around. And also we do B2B stuff, so stuff with clubs as well. So clubs use the app for their players, for example, like say Arsenal used it for several years, uh, Blackburn, Wolves, several other academies and around the world and grassroots clubs as well. So it's very much, you know, about well, the idea is to bring, you know, world-class technical training to wherever, wherever you are in the world. Yeah, um, 
You mentioned sort of that first age group you worked with at Chelsea Academy, and it was very much our first question. The under tens included, you know, Jamal Musiala, Levi Colwell, Tina Lieberman, Ben Elliott. Um, and my I guess my first question was: We actually had Lewis Bates' father on the podcast around a couple of weeks ago, and that episode is coming out hopefully soon. And he was saying at the time when they were watching that age group, the parents could they could tell in some ways that it was a pretty special age group and they did have a few special players like Jamal. Um, how obvious was it for you as a coach, though? Yeah, I think so. I mean, listen, I, I, I'd come from Tottenham uh, where we had, you know, we'd have, you know, we'd have, a, you know, one or two, three really top, top talents in each group. You'd have, you'd have good groups. But, I mean, it was apparent to me as well straight away this was a phenomenal. Just there were so many, so many top players and lots of different types of players as well. I mean, you know, not, I mean, listen, Chelsea, you know, post Abramovich, him coming in, you know, they were the big, always the biggest force in academy football in London. You know, they they spend more money than everybody else. They've got better, you know, better program in terms of investment. You know, they want to be the best. So, from from the, the outside as a, as a Spurs coach, is all my always my ambition to work at Chelsea because I want, you know, they were the biggest biggest guys on the block, if you like. So when I was coming in, I knew, you know, I was expecting good players, but yeah, I mean, in terms of the sheer wealth, and and I, I mean, I, and I've done some work with the other grade groups above and below. So I understand we knew, I knew particularly this was a particularly strong age group. We said, you know, pound for pound, easily the best age group in the academy. That was, for me, that was seemed pretty apparent pretty much straight away. And how was it then sort of seeing them grow up and um, mature into the players that they are nowadays? Are you watching from a distance? Are you still giving them advice? How does, how does, how does that work? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, listen, it's, yeah, I mean, listen, I don't have massively strong relationships with those guys. I mean, like, I chat, you know, Levi, I'll say, well done online and stuff, full of chuff, and Ben Elliott, you know what I mean? You know, I mean, it's ironic because at that time, Ben Elliott was the best player probably in the academy. He was unbelievable what talent he was, and maybe, you know, he hasn't progressed as quickly as some of his peers in that. But I mean, yeah, I mean, there's so many, like, say, Louis Bate, what footballer he, he was then and is now, and Tino and there were just, just there's players coming from everywhere. Samuel, you know, Razaki, top unbelievable talent. Just so many top players. It was, it was crazy. Yeah. Um I think with Ben uh, we'll get on to later. And, you know, I think Jezran, I think Jezran, Jezran, Samuel they probably wanted Jezran Razaki, yeah. That's yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um with Ben, I think there was this really interesting clip which sort of came out a few months ago before he moved to Reading and it was Prince Adagoki sort of saying there were two players in that age group who were by far the best players. I think everyone knew about Jamal Musiala and then he said there was one other midfielder next to him and that was Ben Elliott and that they just couldn't get, no other team could get the ball off him. Um, and I think it well, is well, really interesting. Well, it's interesting actually because, you know, also, you know, it was at the time, you know, um, you know, Jamal was very. You know, he got a lot. Of, he got a lot of grief from a lot of the Chelsea coaches because they said he dribbled too much. He spent too much time on the ball. You know, and they spent a lot of time trying to get him to pass the ball quicker. And I was, for me, you know, I'd come from a different environment. I was very much the opposite, trying to tell him, you know, stay on the ball. You know, do what you got to do. But very much not a Chelsea type player. Chelsea don't particularly like dribblers. Those sort of players. They like, you know, they players who fit more to the team. They want players who can move it quickly, and and you know, and then you know, had to build that into their sort of team uh, environment. And you know. That's, well, that's quite interesting. What do you think in general about that kind of like the idea that a certain academy might have a certain style of player that they like? Do you think that's in like in general on a wider scale? Do you think that could be seen as a bad thing? Do you think that's understandable, acceptable? What are your thoughts on that? Well, I mean, it depends. I mean, listen, when before I moved to Chelsea, you look at them, you could say, you know, if you're going to, if you're going to, 
summarise what sort of players Chelsea look for, it'll be very athletic, you know, overmaturated, which means bigger type players for their age, you know, and obviously when they, they realise that physicality is obviously probably the top of their list in terms of their, you know, what they're looking for in recruitment. As interesting, I suppose, you know, you look you look at, you know, when Mourinho first went in there and sorts of players he liked as well, do you know what I mean? I think it's very much that sort of image and I think that, I think that's still within the academy. Listen, thing about Chelsea, they're lucky because they're so aggressive with, um, uh, with their recruitment and they invest more than anyone else. Do you know, they get more better players than anybody else anyway. Do you know what I mean? But I've always felt there has been too much maybe emphasis on the physicality there. But I mean, look, different, different clubs are for different things, you know, and um, Chelsea are in a, a lucky minus. They can really, you know, do what they want to do really because they're gonna, they, they just sort of scoop up so many more of the better players than any other club. And on recruitment, I think some people are now starting to say that the the level of recruitment that's been happening in the academy, especially in the upper age groups since the new Chelsea ownership has, co- has come in, has been maybe over the top or they're doing too much, whereas previously it was a good level of competition for the players that, that have been produced in Cobham. Do you think it's possible for, for there to be too much? Do you think, because there's a balance you have to find, isn't there? Well, I suppose it depends what your aspirations are. I think it's going to be difficult for any team and any manager to integrate 10 new players, 10, 12, 15, or how many players into that squad. And you also got to remember as well, like, you know, you're, you're dealing with a, you know, a, a squad or a team, which is majority young players, you know, so you're asking a lot of them guys to come and mature and, you know, and, and be consistent and, you know, and stuff like that. So it's a challenge. So it depends what, you know, what your expectations are. It can be difficult to any team like that to hit the ground running and merge, you know, you see, you're talking about conventionally, you know, how many young players can you get put together? How many new players, even experienced players are going to put together? How long is it going to take them to come and, you know, become a team and bond, you know, get that? So there's a lot of new players. So you just, it's like a, like a time of transition, isn't it? So as long as you, you're willing to give them time, because they're still, they're still you know, the top talents in world football they're recruiting, you know, so they're going to be players anyway, but it just might take a bit of time for them to, to come together and, and then be in that cohesive unit and start dominating like they, you know, potentially. And you saw that yesterday in that game, you know, you've got top players, you've got top players in the middle of the park, they're going to give everyone a game, but it's just, you know, it's about, I suppose it's about consistency, isn't it? I guess I, I completely agree. And I, I guess that's the first team level. But if you if you go back to sort of academy level now, and I think in the last few years, well, sorry, well, certainly under Todd Bowley, we've been also been making, you know, signings at academy level from other big clubs. Um, you know, the likes of Ishe Samuel Smith, Jimmy, Jimmy J. Morgan, Amari Hutchinson is a good example. Um, and I just wanted to get your thoughts on like, do you think these sort of signings have an impact on how much the domestic slash sorry homegrown players sort of which Chelsea produce from the age of eight or nine uh, sort of get pushed in comparison to perhaps signings which get pushed yeah I think that's just the nature of the beast like you know if you look at any of the you know inverted commas big academies in the world right you know like you know your Ajax you know they do they recruit the best young players from North uh, North, like uh, Scandinavia and that part of Europe same as Barcelona Benfica, Benfica go and recruit a lot of those players they sell on. Do you know what I mean? This is, that's reality. Does it have a bad effect? Yeah, of course it does. You know, if you're an under 16, you know, and then suddenly you know, you're going into scholar year and you've got the two best boys from Holland come in, these good things. But that's the reality. That's the level, really. Do you know what I mean? What you're going to do? That's, you know, that's, if you want to be at a top club, that's what, that's the reality is. I mean, and, and, and the reality is, you know, if you don't make it at Chelsea, you know, you've got a better chance of making it than probably one of the other clubs because the level is so high, if you know what I mean. So, you know, that's, I, I agree, it's always going to have a, a difficult effect on, you know, your your homegrown, real homegrown players that have come through the academy. 
but that's the reality of being at one of the biggest clubs in the world and one of the best academies. Competition's high, and every big club in Europe does that. Every big club's going to go and try to find the best player, not only from their from their from their domestic league, also from you know abroad. And how who can they bring in? And you know, it's about everyone must have the best players. Yeah, I think that's a good point. And I I did just want to go back to sort of what we were discussing before about how Chelsea focused on the. Um, perhaps physicality and things and I saw your tweet sort of a few days ago and it was, it was a really interesting tweet it was about Tino Libramento and you said how one of the senior coaches suggested you know he should be released as his movement wasn't great at the time and I, I find this really interesting and I guess my first question is you know despite you know as we've said the Chelsea's academy is so so competitive especially at the younger ages you know is this a factor which really coaches should be taking into account into whether a player should be retained or released or you know is that a factor which you think oh no this is something which coaches can actually improve in a player and because Tino's technical ability I imagine would have been still so good at that time is that something you should be really looking at as a club coaching team as something you can actually improve on well I think it comes back to what I was just saying previously the problem is the level is so high I mean in, in, in youth development you talk about two things talk about performance uh, or potential or and potential do you know what I mean so really you know are they performing now they want you know so you know, Chelsea's so high they want players who can do both you know it's very very rarely I think you're going to find those projects we used to call them where you know you've got players I was thinking long term yeah he might come good because the level's so high Chelsea can afford to be a bit more cutthroat or a bit make those things quicker because they want the performance they want the decision they want the players right now I mean and it's reality like I say that's that being one of the best academies in the country you know if you're not you know if you drop down you know, it might even be a year or a season. You know, you're very um, likely to get to, to get sent away. saying, no, thank you. You know what I mean? But I mean, reality is, as we know, really, it's 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 not very. It's from my perspective, it's not it's not the greatest decision in the world to make to make decisions on kids' physicality in their nine, ten, eleven, twelve years old because until they hit, hit puberty and they grow, you don't know what they're going to be like anyway. But like I say, you know, lots of academies do that, and if you've got a um, academy which is really driven in terms of recruitment in terms of physicality I suppose that you know that's one of the things you're going to do and you might make decisions a bit quicker. Were you when you were at Chelsea ever involved in that kind of process choosing which players to release and retain and stuff like that? No what happened is that they come and ask our opinion you know about players and then they probably just ignore it <laughs> I'm joking well there it is because they got the recruitment department you know and got some really you know some really good people in recruitment they're very experienced that's what they do that's what their job is <laughs> so excuse me so when I was doing that I was also involved with the eights and stuff seven and eights and that's that the pre-academy stuff so they'd always ask your opinion but I mean you literally they there's guys would make the decision and, and they'd obviously make the decision they'd want to make really and you know in reality that's, that's their job so that's fair enough yeah that's fair enough another player you've worked with is uh Inning Junior and Samuel that is and linked to sort of the the academy um the academy related focus I think I remember his it was being sort of being announced at the time that he wasn't gonna well he was offered a scholarship by Chelsea but he rejected it and wanted to move to Juventus and the big talk at the time was that the main reason um, was because he felt he was going to be playing at sort of a, a left back slash left wing back role at Chelsea whereas at Juventus he was going to be given chances further forward and he preferred that I did just want to get your opinion on academy players being played out of position, which perhaps isn't their best, but sort of improves their versatility and it helps the team out and perhaps other players develop due to them playing there. Or the other argument that, you know, they're not playing in their best role, so individually it may develop, it may sort of hinder their development. Yeah, it's difficult. I mean, I think Sam, a lot of, lot of Sam's decision to go abroad is that he wanted to, 
maybe go somewhere where first team football was more tangible, more realistic. Mm. You know, you look at Chelsea, that's such a bottleneck. They've got so much talent. And he's obviously felt that, you know, I remember that, you know, I spoke to several clubs in Venice where the ones that look, yeah, you know, there's a, there's a pathway for him. That was good. Yeah, I mean, I think you've got to be careful because, you know, we'll always tell players, particularly when you work in the academy, say it's all about the individual. Do you know what I mean? You know, and also that's why, you know, I'm a big advocate of individual development. There's no real point in spending so much time on team development because, you know, you're not trying to sign teams at the end of the day. You're trying to sign players and you're trying to get players into the first team. You're trying to sell players to, or to make money for the club. So, yeah, I think it's a real big problem because what you say, I say a lot of players say, I'll say to a lot of players, they look, do you think this is your strongest position? You know, and, and it will be, you know, reality is, you know, you're in this, you know, you will, might have to compromise. But then if you're making such a big compromise, maybe you've got to think, actually, is this the club for me? You know, you've got, if you're like really convinced that actually, you know, you are a better in position, so you, you think you're a better striker or right forward, and they're saying, no, we want to play you centre-back, you know, because maybe there's other players in your position, you can, uh, you've got the choice, isn't it? You, you compromise and go there, or you say, all right, I want to go and play somewhere where I'm going to play in my strong position. But then again, you know, there's lots of stories about players who've, you know, played out of position and, and ended up doing really well there. So it's a tricky one, really. I mean, you know, it's a really challenging you know, for any young player and any parent as well of, of those players to think about what's what's right for their child or, or you as a player because you don't get a second chance really. Do you know what I mean? It can be a really can be really you know real tough time because you know if you make a mistake then that's you know that could be the end of it really. I want to just jump in there, Saul, and bring you back to what you were saying a second ago about um, the importance of individual development, and I want to ask you a bit about that because obviously, as you said. You previously worked at academies, but then kind of moved away to focus more on your own individual coaching business, right? Um, I think one of the things that I find really interesting in thinking about individual coaching is a lot of um, the discourse in football seems to suggest that once you reach a certain age or a certain point in your career, you're kind of a set player. You are what you are and you might have certain pitfalls, but you're kind of beyond coaching and beyond improvement once you reach a certain maybe number number of senior appearances or a certain age and I know obviously you mainly work with young players but I wanted to ask what your opinions are on that whether whether players do get less coachable as they get older uh in in terms of your first point you know in terms of you know do you get a certain age and you know is, is there less scope for development absolutely not you can always get better you know what I mean? And look, if you look at the, the outliers, I mean, talking about the players who are the very best, the Ronaldo's, you know, your Messi's, they're still tirelessly working on their game, whatever it is. Do you know what I mean? So I think that's just the first, you've got to get out of that mindset, you know, you know, cliche, closed mindset, open mindset. You've got to say where it actually can improve. You know, there's always room to get better. And that's what, like, so he's, so, you know, Noni's a great example because he's so focus he's got so much desire in terms of like just want to get a bit better get better get better like sometimes you have to say actually you know we have to calm it down a bit you have to work a bit less but then you, you know what you will find is that those those players like saying Flo Balogun similar has that mentality I just want to get better I want to get better I want to do the best and push because they realize that you know maybe you know you're not talking about the same amount of gains you would do as a young player in academy but you know you're talking about smaller marginal gains which is reality you know we're talking about you know that little half percent or one percent or whatever might be the difference to you know push you over to yes yeah, so flow's a great example you know those that time you put in you know going from you know having a really poor loan spell at Middlesbrough to being one of the top scorers in the French league and then now playing in Monaco do you know what I mean just to have to spend some real time on focusing on what he needed to focus on as an individual so it's really powerful and, and the irony is actually you know 
you know, the clubs always say, no, they do too much, they get enough. But the reality is that they, they get very little individual attention work anyway in what they're doing. You know, these guys are, you know, pay great money and they, you know, they're, they're celebrated for doing these wonderful things, but they don't, they very rarely get a chance to practice these wonderful things in the training sessions themselves, very much team related. And the academy thought was even more ridiculous. You know, you've got these under 11s, under 12s, you know, trying to play like the first team, patterns of play, defending as a unit, all that rubbish. I mean, come on, man, like, let these players be individuals. You know, they're, you know, they're going to create players who are going to be great top players for the club or commodities. Spend time on individual development instead. And I think that's where we're missing the trick. Yeah, so thinking about individual individual development, and you just mentioned there uh, a couple of the the players that you're working with, likes of Madueke and Balogun. Obviously, you're mainly working the, with them in uh, the off-season, in international break, maybe winter break, that kind of thing. To what extent in these sessions are you working on kind of freshening them, um, making kind of learning good habits just kind of practicing so if we can call it that um and to what extent is it really focused on like specific kind of improvement maybe honing a certain type of finish and that kind of thing it depends really so i mean obviously yeah you do the bulk of the work in the off season mm. uh, and then obviously in the season as much as possible really and then it depends really i mean it's, it's a probably combination of both so you know it might be for example nonny wanting to work a little bit more centrally in the pockets for example you know, so we can rotate in the 10 space, those half spaces, um, you know, and so might think thicker than that. But I mean, the, the, the emphasis is always the same, really. I mean, in and around the box, what's going to make him stand out? You know, you know, for him, you know, there's those moments of brilliance. He's so technically so amazing. So work on ways to break pressure, basically, and then get shots on target, really. Loads of shots shooting and finishing. So yeah, it depends, really. It's, it's, a, it's a mix of both. And like, yeah, same as like flow, that's with Balogun as a striker high quality, high quality, high loading of like repetition, lots of different shooting and finishing both feet. And then obviously certain things you might see something in one of his games, say, oh, look, remember this, let's work on that, basically. Or they might come and say, I want to work on this sort of thing. So it's a combination of both things, really. Yeah, yeah so, oh, sorry. So, sorry, go on. Go on yeah, on. I just wanted to pick you up on what you said about both feet as well, because that's another topic I find quite interesting, just thinking about coaching in general. Are you doing certain drills to actively improve the weak foot of players or are you kind of just doing it through repetition and, and practice uh it depends on the player if it's a young player then obviously you know what we'll do is every session really do 50 percent on the strong foot 50 percent on the weak foot you have a balance that might mm. be different for like a premier league player so for example nonny so he's like very much coming in from the left and the right so we'll still work on that in those areas of pitch but working him coming on to his right as well. Not only obviously likes cutting on his left, mm-hmm. but also makes make sure working on going in on his on his right as well. Uh, so that depends really. I mean, with with uh, flow like a striker, we'll do balance both of both feet. So, I mean, he's really good lucky because he almost is two footed. But I mean, I think you just you generally you know depend. Like for example, as a striker, yeah, I mean you've got to you, you want to try and do 50-50 as much as possible. If you know what I'm saying, if you're a right back, then obviously that's a little bit different. You know, if we've got a lot of time, then we may be working left back stuff as well. But we work on what sort of stuff cutting inside in your left and that sort of thing. So, particularly with the pros, you know, the guys at the highest level, you've got to try and replicate what they're going to see in the game. Do you know what I mean? In terms of mm. in their position, those those football actions, you call it, you know, and then you try and really sort of focus in on those, like, you know, Brooke, for example, Brooke, who's obviously Norton Cuffey, another yeah. ex Chelsea academy player, at Arsenal, you know, as a fullback, quality fullback, really powerful. 
good technically as well, but you know, you know, so he can cut inside his left and do those sorts of things as well. So you want to try as much as possible. But then I will say some players weak foot isn't good enough. So you say, look, listen, you might see me once a week if we're lucky, but you know, this here's something I'll give them something they can take away and do to work on that just basic repetition to improve their ball strike on their weaker side, which is really key. But I mean, I mean, but I mean, really that that work should have been done in the academy. If you've got a player mm. comes in comes in as an eight year old and leaves you as a sixteen year old and he's not pretty much two footed, you've not done something right as an academy, basically. I completely agree. It's actually really interesting because I, I had a mate who sort of did a did a trial at Chelsea like ages ago now, and he was telling me his in his very first session he spent the first hour and the first hour he, they forced him to use his weaker foot, um, and he said it was that sort of development which Chelsea provided, which sort of just woke him up into how good players are. But speaking of players who are really comfortable with both feet, I think there is one sort of big one in the last few years with Chelsea that's been Amari Hutchinson, who also has be one of your clients and you know I had the pleasure of watching a lot of his games live last season and he was an utter joy and pretty much way too good for 21s and PR2 football um but I did I did want to ask you just your thoughts on Amari as a as a player in general and you know he's I think he's really smashing it out in the championship in with Ipswich who are joint top of the league which is I think is really impressive yeah, Amari's top. I first came across Amari, really. I, I was doing some work with Arsenal in their academy, some consultancy stuff working across and spent quite a lot of time in their 18s and 23s. So met him there properly, did some work with him. Top player. I'm real, like, you know, one of my sort of players as well, like someone who gets on the ball, really good 1v1, you know, explosive in and around the box, fantastic end product. Um, yeah, top guy, top mentality, wants to work, really nice as well in terms of, you know, no, no attitude or, you know, no ego, just like a really genuine, good young man who wants to be, get better and work hard. And yeah, I agree. He's, he's always you know, far too good for, you know, academy football and, you know, that reserve team football. So or like the Premier League P2 football. So yeah, I'm, I'm really glad to see him go on load. He's doing really well and he's got so much potential. He could be as, you know, could go all the way, definitely. And then another player who we've already mentioned a little bit, who you do a lot of work with, you know, Somewhat similar mould to Amari, obviously, Noni Madueke. Um, first of all, I just want to get your thoughts more in general about how he's done since coming to Chelsea and, and what what the future might look like. I think he started off really well. Mm. And when I, when I look back, I'm going to those games when he first started. It was really exciting. And if you ask, I mean, you're, you guys are Chelsea fans, you probably know better than, well, you will know better than I do. Like, you know, his stock's still really high with, with the fans because... You know that he started off really well. He was unlucky in a few things in terms of look when Graham Potter left the club, when Graham Potter was under a bit of pressure, he went with more you know experienced players. Obviously, then the whole thing of them playing you know three at the back doesn't really suit Nonny as like an out and out wide forward player. But if you ask like he's top, he's one of the best young players in world football. That's all I can say. And if you ask these peers. You know, the guys who, you know, play with him in England under 21s, for example, they'll say the same thing. They'll say, this guy is a phenomenon. Do you know what I mean? So he just needs to get back in the team, needs to get a run. Um, you know, a few little silly things might have happened recently. You know, we get over that. It's part of, part of the process, part of the parcel. Um, and, and also, it's difficult as well. You know, Sterling's playing in that position as well, really, in the right side of that attack. Or, and the, you know, and the Pochettino's playing Conor Gallagher quite high up the pitch. But he's ready to go. He's top. He could, you know, he, you know, he, he potentially, you know, will go and be, you know, an England regular in the England for, in the men's team. Do you know what I mean? He's got sorry talent. And, and the main thing about Nonny as well, just like his, just his mentality. He's just so hungry and so much desire to be the best player he can be and really develop. And 
they works hard and that sort of thing. So it will happen for him. But like I said, it's difficult, you know. Like we were talking about earlier, you've got a club which is in transition, lots of other young players. You know, Pochettino's got to manage all of that stuff and try and put it all together into some perfect mix. But he's an unbelievable talent and, and a nice guy and a generally nice guy as well. Just generally nice down-to-earth guy. And obviously, because of how fantastic you say his mentality is, I'm quite interested as to how your sessions with him in particular in particular work in terms of just like does he go to you with something he wants to improve on do you tell him this is something I'm seeing in your game that I think you could improve on um is it a mix who kind of because I imagine I also wanted to ask sorry this is two questions in one but I also wanted to ask just related to that like do you ever have moments where you're telling a player look this is something you need to work on and they maybe haven't noticed it in their own game or they disagree or anything like that yeah, definitely. I mean, listen, when you work with these top, top talents, they're always going to come to you and say, look, I want to work on this. And I'll say, yeah, we'll do that. And I'll say, I think you need to work on that. So I'll watch the games, obviously, and mm. say, look, point this out. This is an area I think you need to work on. So it's always a collaboration. Do you know what I mean? These are unbelievable players, better players than I'd ever dream of being, you know what I mean? So you, you, it's always going to be, you know, it's never going to be, oh, we do this and that's it. I mean, you know, but they're coming to me to improve and they're, you know, they're very aware young people who've taken control of their own, you know, development so you obviously come and say I want to do this and that. Like I say you're normally you know very astute very tactical astute so I don't work work in these areas because you see how the game is moving so we're constantly talking about that and you know same as flow as flow you know come and say I want to work on this and I'll say you know and you know I'll, I'll sometimes say look I think you need to do this and I'll use games or I'll use statistics for example of what top players are doing in the top leagues to say yeah do this as well so yeah luckily you know you have a relationship with these guys like they come there to get better and learn you know if they're just saying no I don't want to work on that it's ridiculous then obviously you know that's you know that's not going to it's not going to be a very good relationship but yeah and answer questions a bit as a combination and what you see that is young guys they're just they're switched on they see you know what's going on and you know what needs to do to get better but obviously they're open so they're coming to me anyway so they're always going to be open and they might say look actually this session i want to work on this but you say okay but it's always like a you know back and forth I think, yeah, with, with Nonio, I think what's really interesting is he's clearly such a creative player. But one one thing I did find quite interesting with is I think nowadays, because of perhaps your Raheem Sterlings and players like them and, you know, Frank Lampard, when he was manager for a few months and he had Nonio, I think Nonio was playing really, really well. But the big thing which Frank always was on Nonio's case in press conferences was that he needed to arrive in the box more. He needed to get sort of more goals and assists. And I think that's something we've heard sort of with Callum Hudson-Odoi over the last few years as Chelsea fans. Um, I wanted to get your thoughts on sort of like, should should a player, obviously you, you do want Nonio to get more goals and assists, but when Nonio's game is all about dribbling past players and creating chances from deep, do you, do you necessarily think he actually does need to be that guy who's always running into the box late and things like that? Look, he's a he's a he's a forward player, so you know he's going to be judged on goals and assists. So yeah, of course he's got to be on the he's got to be attacking box and getting in those positions. Do you know what I mean that's a requirement for players at the highest level? It doesn't matter. You know, if you look at the modern game, every single player, every single position's got to be you know attacking the box. You know, but yeah, he needs to. You know, something he's working on. We're working, always working on shooting and finishing and those sorts of timing and runs and stuff. So you know, I, I don't think that's a problem with his game. Do you know what I mean? He's just got. Uh, yeah, once he gets, uh, he just needs to play. So, you know, when he's games under his belt and gets consistent appearances and all those things will come to fruition. And one question, I think, I mean, this is a little bit of a difficult question, but to what extent do you think it's been um, positive 
for his career as a whole or potentially a little bit detrimental as well the fact that he's come to Chelsea and played less frequently uh it's it's difficult because um I remember speaking you know with his dad you know about this when he first went you know it's difficult to turn down the opportunity to go to Chelsea and he had lost he has he had lots of opportunities before with different clubs and he didn't want to go because he didn't want to risk sitting on the bench but you know it's you know, he's he's I think he's ready for the he's ready for the bigger stage. So, you know, still early early on, you know, in 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 the big scale of things. And I think you know he's ready to explode into the Premier League. So, part and parcel of the game, really, you've got to be patient and wait for your opportunity. Absolutely. Um, okay, I think we're just going to move on to sort of the last sort of few players we're going to discuss about. And I did see this picture someone sent me. Um, and it is a picture of you with another Chelsea age group. And that Chelsea age group had the likes of Harrison Murray Campbell, Tyreek George, Jimmy J. Morgan, Ted Curd, Luke Campbell, etc. etc. Um, so I, I will start off with Harrison Murray Campbell. And I managed to watch him a few times in pre-season for the under-21s. Um, and this was coming up against National League sides. And last season, I watched him play against Spurs in the under-18s. And two sort of things stuck out for me. And the first one was his absolute desire and passion in actually defending. I saw him like celebrate like he scored a goal when he made like a goal line clearance. And the second thing was in pre-season, he was given the armband for the under-21s at the age of 16 for the final 20 minutes of a game. Um, I guess my first question is, yeah, thoughts on Harrison and, and like, could you see that sort of interest in defending at the time? Because I think in this in this day and age, it's, you know, ball playing centre-backs is, is really, really important. But I think people forget that if you're a defender, you do also need to very much be able to defend. Uh, yeah, hundred percent. I remember. I remember. Obviously, Harrison. I took as an under seven, under eight, under nine. Um, so I know him quite well. I know the family. Dad used to play football at a decent level, but just really like Harrison, just like very intelligent, very like you say, lots of desire. Maybe not a typical type of Chelsea player, as you think about it in there, young little you know young guy. But I mean, yeah, I mean, he's done really well to go all the way through and probably a bit, bit of a later developer than some of his peers. And now he's like really excelling. So, yeah, I mean, listen, he always had the potential. Like, I mean, just someone who's just willing to work really hard, very intelligent. As a coach, that's what you want. Players who give you everything, intelligent, understand the nature of the game. But yeah, he could definitely had that. I remember us going to um, a, a, port, a, a tournament in Portugal, Vera, I think it was, as an under nine and um, him playing at the back and like, yeah, captain, like it was him at the back. Tyreek George in the middle, him like, you know, those, him playing like a real captain's performance there. And you can see those qualities, had those leadership qualities. And just again, another word, genuine, nice young man. Do you know what I mean? Real nice young man who sort of made, you have by these cliches about young footballers, these guys go against him, like a real good young man who really wants to work hard and do better and love his family and all that sort of thing. And when you talk about the most sort of intelligent players, I think, especially thinking about your one-on-one coaching are you having kind of extensive tactical discussions as well like are you doing kind of training aside from the the practical stuff yeah because you had we do game reviews for example okay if i'm I'm working with a player i'll watch the game whether i go there i'll watch it back and then make clips and clip it and then the idea is you feed back to players Mm -hmm. i mean that's always part of the process that's definitely, but I mean, also and one sort of maybe um, misconception about individual work is that it's not necessarily, I don't necessarily have to be working one-on-one either. So, I mean, I might be working with a group, an academy group anyway. You can still do individual stuff, individual outcomes, but having in smaller groups. For example, the stuff when I did at Arsenal, working with the 18s and 23s there, very much I was, you know, working technically. So I'd work on those individual type outcomes, maybe that they don't get in those group sort of sessions. 
that you know you can still do that. But yeah, I mean, obviously that game tactical analysis is definitely part of the game, and looking at games and reviewing it and, and that sort of stuff is a big part of it. Yeah, and then another player you mentioned was Tyreek George, um, and I think he's a player who I've really enjoyed just watching him play in that ten role because I think he turns so so well on on the half turn. He finds spaces so well, and I was actually at the game a few weeks ago at Kings Meadow where he scored an absolute beautiful goal with his left foot and I was sat next to Phil who I think us me and Orlando know very well Chelsea youth on Twitter um a lot of Chelsea players sorry Chelsea fans will know who he is and the, the the first thing he said after he he scored the goal was that Tyreek is one of the best ball strikers at the club with both feet um I just wanted to get your thoughts on on Ty because I think the way Chelsea use wingers is is really interesting I think a lot of the times they, they're asking to play in the 10 central role and then a lot of other times they're they're, they're being used out wide and really asked to express themselves uh, Tyreek I know really really well again like you know coaching as under 7 under 8 under 9 I know the family really good friends with his old man so yeah great to see him he always had like you know had great technical ability matched with physicality as well so you know that's pretty much and also very intelligent so very intelligent could run could run with the ball good in 1v1 situations good learner good game understanding so you always knew he had a good good chance to go very long way away long way and yeah so I'm really happy I'm really happy for him and for his family and you know he's yeah he's you know tried to fulfill that that potential and it's great to see him playing for England and those sort of thing also with Harrison playing for England Harrison comes to the 70s World Cup so, yeah it's great to see all those guys I, those that age group I spent spending like I said I spent a lot of time there doing under sevens under eights under nines and it's great to see those guys coming through now and knocking on the door do you ever see in certain players that you may have coached some years ago do you ever see in them like certain traits or things that you may remember working on them with yeah 100 <laughs> percent. loads of stuff i do the players especially young players you see things yeah mm. i remember those working those things so i mean that's good that's one of the best things about my job you know as most coaches will tell you they work stuff and you see players do i mean it's great for me you know i watch the work of a player and i watch the premier league or match of the day and you see them do on tv that's a great <laughs> place, you know I mean? I'm yeah that's really exciting yeah yeah, and then also another part of your job that I think seems very attractive are those like sort of holiday destination type uh, football pitches and stuff that you get to work on during the off season. I saw like Marbella and things. That looks beautiful. Yeah, it's always nice. I did like Mykonos, <laughs> obviously with Nonni just yeah. when he came back to twenty ones and Marbella last year, and uh, yeah, it's, it's nice. You know, flew to Amsterdam <laughs> for the day the other day to do a session with a Monaco player. My flight to Monaco, like, yeah, it's nice. I mean, listen, I'm, you know, like people said, you know, the next best thing to being a footballer is probably being a coach you're involved in the game and doing that sort of thing. So I'm really fortunate. I mean, but it's, it's taken me 20 years to get to this stage. So that's nice. Like, I'm not an overnight success. And do you have further ambitions beyond what you're currently doing as well in coaching? Well, it's difficult. I mean, listen, it's, yeah, I mean, I, probably on my bucket list, if I was going to say, I mean, you know, I'd, I'd want to maybe like, be like an individual specialist at a Premier League in the first team level maybe that's probably one of the mm. things maybe do that abroad um, like I said I, I left Chelsea because I, I wanted to focus on my own thing I like being the boss I like being the CEO and making decisions and you know and I've got obviously my personal football coach who keeps me busy but yeah probably one day I'd like to work back in, in that, our first team environment you know day to day with those sort of players it, it could be fun 
Very interesting. Just a final thing from me personally. Um, it was actually I saw you worked with Josh McEachran uh, previously, and I was at the Oxford United versus Chelsea Under Twenty Ones game uh, a couple of days ago in Oxford, and he came on for Oxford against Chelsea, which was a really really weird. Um, but I remember both me and Orlando spoke to someone who I won't name, but he said they've spoken to Josh's parents, um, and. In obviously massive hindsight, they they said the worst decision they ever made for Josh's career was signing that big five-year contract or whatever it was when he sort of broke through um, under Mourinho at Chelsea. And I think a bit related to that, I guess my question is, how important do you think it is for players to sort of have the right people around them, whether that's agents, coaches, management, family and consultants like yourself? Because as much as technical ability and actual footballing ability can take you so far, I think there is a complete other side of the game as well. Yeah, 100%. That's everything, isn't it? I mean, like I said, it's such, there's such a fine margin between making it and not making it. I say Josh, like, you know, Josh unbelievable like Real Madrid or wherever wants to go there he chose to go to Chelsea for you know whatever reason yeah it's difficult but it's such a fine line margins are so fine between making it and not making it you know so it's difficult you know agents as well like you know they agents get a lot of lots of flack but I know a lot of really good guys you know who are agents you know who make real positive impacts and who will make decisions for the good of the player not just in terms of the bank balance or that sort of thing so it's a very difficult, it's a difficult, difficult, challenging environment. It's the most saturated market in the world, you know. It's the most competitive market in the world. Everyone wants to be a footballer. So, you know, you've got to, got to choose it. You know, Josh, I remember it's funny, Josh, because, you know, just terrible trainer. Look at him completely, you know, the, you know, not athletic at all. <laughs> like the sessions, like, but just, um, just his, just his football brain was just on another level. His left foot, like, you know, when he goes into the game thing, just think, wow, like, you know, and that goes to show, you know, like how much you know, football is in the brain as well. If you've got, you know, if, you, if you're clever and how much you can make things, you can do things other players can't go near you because, you know, but yeah, you know, that, but football's, you know, full of that. I mean, yeah, maybe Josh, you know, would have gone and played abroad, you know, if someone had built a team around him, you know, and he'd be a number 10 sort of thing, whatever. But, you know, he's good. He's, got, he's, got, he's still got, uh, he's doing, he's still got career. He's, got, he's got a good career. So, you know, can't complain too much. Lovely stuff. I think that wraps it up really nicely. Um, Saul, thank you so much for coming on. It's been an absolute pleasure. Uh, my pleasure, lads. Appreciate it. And uh, let's hope Nottingham gets back on the team quickly and starts, you know, Chelsea finish second behind Arsenal this year or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think, I think we would all take that. I, I completely agree. Let's hope Nottingham <laughs> yeah. gets back in there. Lovely Lovely. stuff. Thank you very thank much. You, Saul. Thanks for coming on. Pleasure. Cheers. Cheers. And thank you very much for listening as well. Uh, that will be it for today. Please do make sure to let us know what you think. Um, get in touch with us at the Chelsea Spot or on our personal accounts. Join our spaces that we're doing every now and again. Um, yeah, we'd love to have some interaction. We hope you enjoyed and we'll see you next time.